I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I 100% do not encourage or advocate for cannibalism in any way. But when I first started doing research into medical cannibalism, I could maybe kind of see how it would make sense, especially if this was like a thousand years ago and people didn't really understand medicine as they do now. So a lot of medical cannibalism has to do with the principles of sympathetic magic. So for example, if you have headaches or if you have migraines or dizziness, and if you drink some powdered human skull, maybe your headaches will go away. If you bleed a lot, if you've lost a lot of blood, maybe if you drink some blood, you'll be cured. And for some reason, there is quite a lot on the blood thing. So if you drink the blood of somebody who is very smart, who is very wise, maybe you would begin to have some wisdom. If you drink the blood of somebody who was very strong, maybe you would get strong. And when you look at it that way, it almost starts to make sense. But like now, we know it doesn't work that way because we have modern medicine and we understand how the human body works. And this wasn't just limited to Asian cultures. This was most definitely a thing in Europe as well. And honestly, I really could do just a whole episode on medical cannibalism. But at the root of it, I feel it's a combination of human desperation and lack of access to modern medicine, to effective medicine. In today's connected world, there are very few places that are more limited, less connected and more desperate than North Korea. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we are looking at the North Korean cannibal killer, Park Myun-sik. Myun Sik was born in 1951, so that would have been a really difficult time. It would have been right after World War II and right before the Korean War. It is very likely that he spent his childhood in a difficult environment, in a time of conflict. We don't know much about his background or his childhood, but we do know that by the time the country was divided, he was North Korean. Now, he was based in Sinpo, which is a port city in North Korea with about 150,000 people, and this city was along the Sea of Japan. We also know that he worked as a factory worker, and he was described as a quiet, shy, and timid man. At some point of time, Park Myun-sik, he gets cirrhosis, which is a liver disease, the scarring of the liver. And depending on how bad it is, you if you have mild cirrhosis, you can live as long as like 15 to 20 years, but it depends on how severe it is. And in most places, it isn't necessarily a death sentence, especially if you catch it early. If you are living in a reasonably modern country with accessible healthcare, there is a good chance that you can look at options like liver transplants. 
but it is also not nothing. I will say that the symptoms sound incredibly uncomfortable. When I googled it, it said that you would feel very tired, very weak, you would feel sick, your skin might get itchy, you get jaundice, you might feel pain in your abdomen. So it's a very unpleasant thing to live with. Now, also from what I could find, there isn't really an alternative long-term cure for cirrhosis. A lot of it just centers around managing the symptoms. Now, it was bad enough that he was sent to a famous doctor in Hemang, which is North Korea's second largest city after Pyongyang. The doctor treated Munsik, and I'm not sure what he was treated with, but it doesn't seem like it worked, and he was sent back to his city in Sinpo. So he was disappointed. He thought that he would have to live with this condition for the rest of his life. And he believed that it was very likely that he would die from his cirrhosis. Now one day, he's at work. And he hears about a co-worker that is close to a fortune teller and a shaman, a fortune teller shaman in that area. Now officially, officially North Korea has banned religion. And this is supposedly to avoid any outside influence like any churches or religion from coming to the country. But it's also said, it is also theorized that it's set up as a propaganda thing. And this is to prevent people from having loyalty from anything other than the Communist Party, but just a theory. And apparently there are also still people who believe in religion in small pockets, who practice in North Korea and they do it extremely quietly because you can get charged for religion. Now Park Myung-sik, he hears about this shaman and at this point he is desperate. So he goes to the shaman and again this must have been a pretty close friend as well because if he was caught there was a good chance that he would have been punished. Would it have been hard labor? There would have been something. So now Park Myung-sik, he goes to the fortune teller and he says, I am suffering from the cirrhosis of the liver and I do not know when I will die, so please tell me how to live. And this fortune teller, she doesn't reply him immediately. She says, I need to think about it, I need you to come back in a couple of weeks. And so he does. A couple of weeks later, he returns to the fortune teller, and she tells him that if he wants to live, if he wants to cure his cirrhosis, he needs to eat the liver of a healthy person. And again, Medical cannibalism is not unheard of, and especially eating the liver of another person, it is not an unknown superstition and we have covered it in other cases. But after hearing about his cure, he goes back home. He's a bit conflicted. We know that he is a shy, quiet man, but we also know that he is desperate for a cure. He doesn't want to die of cirrhosis. In North Korea, in spring and fall, students are mobilized. They are used by the state for labor and this is usually for planting or harvesting. So if they're from the cities, they'll be sent to the countryside and they'll stay in a farmhouse or a dorm and they work from 8am to 6pm usually doing agricultural work. And these are not typically young children. They're usually middle schoolers or high schoolers so they're usually teenagers because they are strong enough to do this kind of work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In April 1990, which would have been around spring, Park Myung-sik, he goes to one of these areas where the students are living. At about 11pm, he breaks into the dorm and he picks a random student. He covers the mouth of a 15-year-old girl and he stabs her once. And at this point, Park Myung-sik would have been about 40 years old, so a grown man against a teenage North Korean girl. He carries her out of the dorm and his plan was to take her to an isolated area and then take out her liver and eat it. And he couldn't very well have just attacked her and eaten her liver in a room full of sleeping students. But as he was carrying her out, the dogs in their area, rural farm dogs, they start barking and people woke up. They started going towards the dogs. They started looking at the commotion and he heard voices and he abandoned her and fled. Apparently, this student did not survive. A few days later, he's still desperate. He's trying again. And this time, he was successful. About four kilometers away from his first attack, from his initial attack, a farmer finds the body of a student, murdered and mutilated. The liver had been removed. At that point of time, the North Korean police, they were very limited in terms of skill and resources. It is alleged that the police even said that the culprit might have been a ghost. Now, eating the liver of his first victim probably didn't do anything to help cure his cirrhosis. But Park Moon said he was desperate and a few days after his first kill, a young woman in her 20s was found in the same city, murdered with her liver missing. Between April and September 1990, he would kill 10 more people and it really did not occur to him at any point of time that maybe eating people's liver wasn't going to do anything to help cure his cirrhosis. Maybe he thought that he needed to eat more and more liver and that each liver that he ate helped him a little bit we, but we really have no idea what he was thinking. And the police, they had no CCTV, they had no DNA analysis, and even though the rest of the world was slowly picking up on these measures, on these skills, the North Korean police was still very limited. It got so bad that Kim Jong-il allowed the North Korean media to cover the case and to warn people. And this is incredibly unusual because the media in North Korea typically does not cover anything that is unflattering to the regime, anything that is unflattering to the government. It would be a very rare instance where they came out and said that we cannot solve this string of murders. And in the end, the police were not the ones to catch Park Myung-sik. It was fall in October 1990. Park Myung-sik had successfully killed 12 people and eaten their livers, and he was attacking his 13th victim. He was trying to kidnap this victim, but he was unsuccessful, and the student survived. He ran, he fled, but he was caught. 
other citizens in the area had seen him trying to escape and thought that he was acting really suspicious. They captured him and they brought him to the police station where he confessed. And he knocked out the fortune teller, saying that she was the reason that he was murdering people and eating their livers. Park Myung-sik was tried in the People's Court of Sinpo about a year later in mid-October 1991. He was charged with 12 counts of murder and he was found guilty. He was later executed by firing squad. The fortune teller was also arrested and put on trial. We don't know what for, but probably just for being a fortune teller, maybe for being a part of his string of serial killings. But it is likely that she was sentenced to hard labor in a North Korean prison camp. But truly, we don't know what happened to her after that. What is particularly interesting about this case is that Park Myung-sik is the only formally recognized serial killer by North Korea. And while doing research into this case, there are others that are suspected, but Park Myung-sik is the only one where the North Korean government was like, oh, this guy is totally a serial killer. He killed 12 people and ate their livers. I will also say in all honesty that the resources to research this case were a lot more limited than usual, but there is a Wikipedia page about him, which is always a good starting point if you want to find out more. What is also strange when researching this case is that everything is very definitive. Um, and after doing this for like 123 episodes, especially with a regime like North Korea, and what appears to be limited police resources and skill, it would be remiss if we don't discuss the possibility that maybe it wasn't so clear-cut whether or not he was guilty. And especially after last week's case where the police were very quick to blame somebody else. But of course, this is a case that happened more than 30 years ago and a country that's not typically open with sharing information. So I guess we can never be fully sure. And honestly... I would feel terrible if like in 15 years it turns out that this guy was not a serial killer and I think it's something that I've been thinking about a lot especially since the Netflix documentary um, American Nightmare came out so I was watching it while I was on the treadmill and I was just horrified I was just so angry and then I got like a bit worried because I was like what if I'm part of the problem what if I'm one of the people who are very quick to accuse you know so I guess that's something for all of us to think about anyway <laughs> a bit heavy but if you have any other recommendations do feel free to drop me a line at a briefcase podcast I'm always so pleased to hear from you I'm also always really happy to see any comments and do join us next week for another brief case